Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pastalka, and with me today, I've got Paul Van Meter from Bellingham, Washington. We're going to talk today a little bit about his transition from being a successful machine shop owner to now he's an ERP software system owner, business owner, and, and helps people with that. So, Paul, awesome to have you here today. Thank you, Damon. I'm really looking forward to it. You, uh, your energy and infectious for this is, is just, yeah, it's infectious. I'm looking forward to chatting today. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. I, I just, I get excited about manufacturing, man. I, I tell you from the, from the first time I was, I, I stepped foot into a plant, I knew that that's, that's where I wanted to be. I can tell talking just before we hit go, <laughs> talking shop and talking. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. It's sure. fun. It's, it's fun stuff. And, and, you know, the, I think you got a cool story, man, it, just because of the fact that you, you came out to the West coast to go to college, you met some people in college, you started a business and, and that turned into one thing turned into another. So um, really great. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about the background and kind of you know, what led you to where you're at today, or at least through part of that? And we'll ask some more questions. Sure. Yeah. So I was, uh, as we also talked about before we go, I was actually studying engineering in Boston and it was kind of dry, didn't love it. And then I read about this very hands-on automotive program in Washington. And I, I told my mom, I said, that's, that's where I'm moving. I'm transferring over to Washington. And so I went there First, very first class that I took, I met my business partner, Kelsey. Um, we were tearing apart motorcycle engines and rebuilding them and getting them to run again. And uh, and uh, just fell in love with, with working hands-on, built. That, that program also had a ton of, had a full-on machine shop in it. So we got to design and build race car parts for all these college competitions. And just really just loved working together loved making stuff and decided to start a company, start a shop right out of college. Wow. So uh, another partner, um, actually Kelsey's older brother was uh, also taking classes and he took out a second mortgage on his house. And that's the money we used to buy a Haas VF4 and a manual mill and lathe and started knocking on doors looking for work. <laughs> so we All were, right. we were pretty dumb. <laughs> we didn't know much, didn't know much about business. That's for sure. But it worked out all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool because you know you you listen to so many people that start businesses, and and it is the desire to do something, and that desire overwhelms your sometimes. And I'm not using the right words, but your 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 notion that I shouldn't be doing this for a lot of you know your common sense. Yeah, common <laughs> sense. Common sense are practical reasons why I shouldn't do it but knowing that you're going to succeed or you're going to, you're, you're going to die trying, you know, and, and, yeah. and just the belief that you can do it. Um, 
I yeah, think we had some we had some people say, you know, you should go into work in industry for a few years and then start a business. And we we're like, no, we're just going to go for it right now. There's nothing yeah. there's nothing to lose uh, except maybe his house. But yeah, uh, <laughs> he was brave. Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. So you guys were in that for a, for a, quite a while then. We had that shop for 17 years in total. Yeah. Wow. Before we, before we sold it. So 17 years now. Yep. The changes from beginning to end had to be massive. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, we started with one machine and just a and just a handful of us. Um, and then, uh, yeah, by the time we finished, we had, I think, over thirty CNCs and about seventy-five people running three shifts and doing not only machining work, but we were also AS9100 for engineering and design work. So we did a lot of design engineering wow. projects for some of the primes. Um, we uh, made cool machines and mechanisms and fixtures for, for Northrop Grumman and lots of fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So was your were you guys doing a fair amount of uh, just design kind of stuff for the aerospace or were you doing limited production stuff too or or so we were pretty diversified um i mean it, we were probably about 60 70 aerospace but okay. a wide range of clients but um i'd say our you know revenue wise our biggest um was our production machining yep um but then we had a completely totally separate value stream dedicated prototyping department quick turn different mm -hmm. people different machines Yep. Just doing quick turn one-off jobs. And then we had our um, our design engineering uh, team, small team, two or three designers and and uh, people doing assembly work and building all that stuff, yeah. which fed into production and prototype machining as well, of course, to support that. Were there any specific areas like, you know, part of a, a piece of equipment or part of a plane or? or... Yeah, we mostly worked on the Joint Strike Fighter. Uh, oh, right. 35 uh, supporting Northrop in Palmdale, California. Yeah. And uh, we made two major, actually three different major kind of assembly designs. One was a big uh, mechanism that took a piece of tooling and placed it up into the airplane partway along the, 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 the line. So that was, it had electric motors and it was all a big oh, weldment yeah. and it had this me this mechanical kind of path that it would feed up in there. Um, we made a pretty cool, like really fancy bandsaw that was using a reciprocating uh, carbon or diamond coated blade that would actually cut the leading edge out of a damaged wing. So if it had like a bird strike or something that, that yeah. you know, damaged the honeycomb core, we'd cut out a section of that and then they'd replace it. And then, and then the one that was like sort of the biggest program that turned into actually, and is still ongoing with our, the company we sold, um, is, uh, a, a, a jig to hold the, the intake duct of the, of the engine or the, the frame that leads in the engine, holding that round as it's transported from California to Texas. Yeah. So we've made, they've made dozens of those that are just rotating tools that mm -hmm. they put them in there because they found when they were shipping them to Texas, they would end up coming out around. So they wouldn't all fit together nicely with the engines. So mm -hmm. we designed this pretty neat mechanism that had cams and, and certain, and it was, it would insert and then they'd lock it into place and then they'd ship it on a truck and uh, it would end up round when they arrived there. So anyway, uh, that's just fun going down on the production line and, 
and yeah. you know talking engineers and and people on the line and it was, it was really fun well and people if you're not in manufacturing and specifically in in machining and like you were doing in the design work there you don't realize how much of that type of equipment there is for a given plane or a given <laughs> there is so much of it i mean uh, one of the yeah. companies that i had I'd run um uh, a, a while ago now i mean like we did the and this was a couple companies before i was done we actually made the tooling that did the first carbon fiber ribs in the 787 so oh, it was cool. all, they were big like i don't know seven eight feet circular things five axis they were welded mm -hmm. plate and into their tooling size and then five axis surface machined and and they all had to be vacuum you know hold vacuum and stuff right and uh that kind of stuff and then we did some of the wing strut work for it or not the wing but the motor mount the big yeah. aluminum motor mounts for them okay. and uh yeah, it's just it's just so interesting when you look at what goes into those kind of things and those programs, um, and and really like you're saying, in that motor, the the motor nacelle or whatever mm -hmm. it was that you were keeping mm -hmm. straight, yeah. the the it's amazing the amount of effort that goes into something like that, just that one piece keeping it good, <laughs> because yes. it it probably started as a solid billet of aluminum or if it was carbon fiber or whatever it was it was a lot of care went into making it and mm -hmm. and not having to touch it at all and just slide it right onto the plane is very important oh yeah <laughs> and it had to be inspected with lasers and and you know make sure yeah. it's perfect and yeah no it's it and that's what's so fun about manufacturing you're just solving these real world problems being creative coming up with solutions mm -hmm. and then making them happen that's for sure. That's for sure. And, and, and you still get to get to mess with that too. And we'll get into that a little bit. So I, I saw a couple interesting things in your background though. It said that you, you, uh, did a little machining for a place called Matichik motorcycle. Now, what kind of stuff were you doing there? Was this, was this, I mean, it was in the time of the custom motorcycle area era when you were doing this. So that's yeah, that I was actually, uh, that was a father and son, sort of family run yeah, yeah. business down on Whidbey Island. And uh, we, we met them because the son came up and did some kind of coaching on machining because he was a really, really incredible machinist and programmer. But now they had, um, they actually did a lot of weird things. They did make motorcycle, like really kind of custom motorcycle stuff, um, single-sided front, front um, swing arms and stuff yeah. even before anyone else was doing that. But they actually, they also, they kind of made the bulk of their money. I wouldn't say those were money-making projects, but the main thing they did was they got tied in with Cannondale, Cannondale, um, mm -hmm. the bike company, and made thousands and thousands of crank arms and really cool oh. billet machined parts for Cannondale bikes. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that was that was quite a learning experience. Yep. Was, yep. That is that is cool. Amazing stuff. Yeah, I, I had an opportunity. I had a friend of mine that was a, a general manager at, at one of the motorcycle shops in that time frame that they were making air suspension systems and and other and they made high end custom motorcycles, too. And that I saw that I thought that was pretty interesting because yeah, there they, was a go ahead. I'm sorry. They even made their own engines. And this yeah. imagine this is actually yeah. it was a modular V engine design could be a V twin v4 v6 or v8 now the eight cylinders were used in airplanes 
crazy. And these were massive volume, really low RPM, like 2000 RPM, 800 cubic inch engines. Oh, the, my air, goodness. The, air, the airplane version. And these were yeah. totally billet machined and programmed yes. via 100% G code back way back in the day before they had. Oh, camp. my goodness. It was unbelievable. It's one of the most complex parts I've ever seen. And it was all hand G coded. Wow. The guy that's, was a, the guy was a genius. For those of the people that are listening <laughs> it, that don't know machining, that's like you know making windows, uh, you know, with a typewriter. Right. I don't know what I don't know how to explain <laughs> it, but that's that's not something that you normally would just step out and do. I know. Uh, but it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, you know, like you said, machining is such a or machining manufacturing in general that the problem solving that goes into it is is so unique and it is so challenging. And I think that's why a lot of people get into it. And one of the things that I always like to talk about when I'm talking about manufacturing in general is I hope that a couple kids that are in high school hear us talking today and something interest them about it because there are so many kids that graduate from high school that may not want to go to a four-year degree get a four-year degree may not even want to go to a vocational school but i always like to let those kids know that man manufacturing is a good place to work it's find work in manufacturers and the manufacturers need people that have that can come with their minds their hands and and their skills and they can build some of the coolest stuff they're ever going to be able to see if they do that. Yeah, and you're right. Those manufacturers need them badly. Yes. You know, there's such high demand for for people that want to get into this trade. Yes. And yeah. and it's it's too bad that our, our I think there's some places where they do a much better job than others, but I always like to mention it because I saw a lot of my son's friends that, you know, that they weren't, they didn't want to go to college and that's cool. That's, and they didn't want to go to vocational school. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And you see him taking some jobs that you go, listen, I mean, manufacturing jobs are not low paying jobs. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> I, I mean, so it's, it's, it's something where, and you know, it's, Typically, you're not outside like in a construction environment and, and you know, the, mm -hmm. the hours are steady and plentiful usually. So, yeah, yep. yeah, but it's, it's yeah, we, we're really fortunate to work with a couple of school programs. In fact, we just published a video for the first time today um, online with uh, one of our it's a high school machine shop program. It's a business run by the students. It's a machine shop business. Wow. And, uh, and we donated pro shop to them and they're, they're coming out of that program with programming and machining skills. And I even had another customer, um, that's in the same geographic area, reach out and say, Hey, I just learned about this and I want to recruit those students. So can you connect me with the advisor? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and that's, awesome. that's honestly those, those kids that have just a little starter skill like that, they, they can go walk right in. And, yeah. and people will will welcome them with open arms. Absolutely, it's it's they need it. That's awesome. So where is that at? That's in uh, that's in, near Indianapolis. So the wow. school is Brown County High School. The program is called Eagle Manufacturing, and uh, yeah, we can share the. Actually, I could share the link. If I share a link on this, will it go out on on LinkedIn? It won't, but, uh, but I will put it that. out. On, I can do it. I can do it. So you share right. it in here. It'll hit Facebook and I'll take it and move it into LinkedIn. But yeah, this is that I, it's so cool when, 
when I hear of programs like that, because it just, it's just more needed. It's, it's mm-hmm. needed so badly. And, and the manufacturers, like you said, are, are so looking like, uh, Matt Goosey, a guy in, yep. in Wisconsin. MRS. Yep. Yeah. MRS. He said he had turned around a million dollars worth of work a couple of weeks ago because he didn't have people. He can't hire people. It's like, what the heck? That's a, that's a lot of, that's oh, yeah. a lot to not, not to be able to, uh, it makes you sick. It just makes me I sick. Know. Yeah. So I'm going to drop this in the link yep. in. Yeah. The, 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 uh, there we go. I dropped the link in on LinkedIn there. So if you want to see the, the Brown County High School uh, machining program, that'll be right in there. Cool. So Thank good, you. good. Well, Paul, so you guys have your machine shop. You get to a certain point and you go, what? whatever possess you to go uh, let's write our own erp system yeah so that certainly was not ever intentions <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's like when what? we when we you know so keep in mind when we we started our shop straight out of college like the only jobs we'd ever have was like delivering pizza right we we yeah, didn't know any yeah. we didn't know anything you certainly didn't know what erp software was so we just started using you know uh quickbooks and excel yep. spreadsheets right so yep. We had, and my partner, Kelsey, um, pretty good with Visual Basic, and he made some pretty fancy macros, and it, we would spawn worksheets and workbooks and clone them and make work orders. And and uh, so as we were doing that, we started, and we wanted to be paperless from, yeah. from day one in our shop. So we had CRT monitors out at the machines um, with a computer connected there, and we would pull up our spreadsheets and do our work. But we really uh, focused, you know, as a shop, what mattered, you know, probably more than anything to us was execution on the shop floor, right? Getting our setups to go fast and smooth, making good quality parts and making sure, you know, everything was within tolerance, um, keeping organized and making sure we just had good systems and processes to make the shop floor efficient. So we built all sorts of spreadsheets that did things like manage our cutting tools and do our first article and in-process inspection plans and execute those. And uh, we even had sheets with all of our work instructions and and our zero, our XY zeros and G54s and all those things. And so when we, about three years later, uh, we were, we had about a dozen employees and we were growing pretty quickly and Excel was just not going to scale with us. It was yeah. just becoming too cumbersome. So we started doing research for shop ERP. And as we started getting sales demos and talking to these companies, we'd be like, okay, show us how you do all these things that we do on spreadsheets. And they were like, no, we don't do any of those things. You know, that we don't really do the shop floor. Like we do the office and we can do your accounting and purchasing, but you're kind of, it's kind of up to you. You know, we can print off a paper traveler and then you, you know, from that you, you can log in or do whatever, but, but anyway, so it's, uh, so we were just really disappointed actually that none of them were doing the kind of things that we were doing and we needed to do to keep our shop efficient. So yeah, we just decided rather than still have lots of spreadsheets plus their software, we would just find a developer and just build something for ourselves. And so we found this guy named Matt, who was a friend of my partners and we hired him to, to basically write what, what we wanted it to look like and didn't intend to sell it to anyone for sure. It was just strictly an in-house tool 
And uh, but we just developed it over the years. About four years later, we went for ISO certification. And so we built all the QMS modules. Two years after that, we got AS9100 and we built more QMS modules and more features to help pass the AS9100 certification and just kept going like that, just building more stuff. And uh, it wasn't until about 2008 that our biggest machine shop customer uh, who had seen ProShop many, many times because one of their employees came and moonlighted on the weekends getting some extra work at our shop. Yeah. And he went back to the owners and he said, you got to see the system they have. And then they approached us and asked us to sell it to them. And initially we said, no, we, you know, we wasn't for sale. We we're just a machine shop. And yeah, but we eventually gave it a shot and uh, the results they got just blew us all away. And that's really when the light bulb went off that this is probably more important than making parts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting your approach though, because you rather than like virtually all the other systems who started off in accounting and they got into the manufacturing because they knew they had to, to be able to sell the manufacturers and kind of cobble that together. You started in manufacturing where you really can help to make money for a business. That's and, where a business makes money is on the yeah, floor. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And worked your way back from the floor and organizing that and doing that because the things like you're saying with the QMS and you were talking about the, you know, the, all of the storing the first article data and storing the in-process data and just having it there at the mm -hmm. machine and having right. it easy to input or, or in a quality department or wherever the heck they're, they need to be putting it in sure. or direct interface too. I'm sure that you guys are now interfacing with digital equipment and stuff like that too, correct? Yeah, if you're measuring with an SPC yeah. caliper or mic, you can hit the button and it'll feed the result yeah. right into ProShop and it'll instantly validate it and tell you whether that's a good result or not. And so, if it's not, it'll say, hey, do you want to make an NCR? And it makes the NCR and then it alerts the QA department that an NCR was just made. And Yeah. And we were doing that, you know, back in 2004. Oh, know? my goodness. That is so. crazy cool because, you know, I, I personally was in businesses where I spent, you know, two to five hundred thousand dollars putting equipment erp <laughs> systems in and they could do none of that right they could do none of that and, sure. and well, like you we said, were really lucky that this guy matt that we hired a who was a web developer to begin yeah. with so we were web-based from day one back in 2000 when that was pretty early days for yep. web applications um, and he was just really really good and then yeah, uh, yeah. and then we had our whole team telling them what they wanted it to do because they yeah. were using it all day, every day. Yeah. So it was just a really good closed loop to yeah, uh, you had your own testing. iterate. Yeah. yeah you rapidly make changes, see how it works and get it going. So now as you go forward and you see this and you see the application, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see as, as machine shop owners are, are coming into today's environment. What are some of their biggest challenges that are that a that they're seeing in general, and then you're seeing um, that the ERP system really helps them with. You mean new shop owners or uh, or just shop or just, just existing shop, shop owners in itself? I mean, what are some of the industry challenges right now out there? I mean, we we went through COVID, and I don't think a lot of machining shops are really horribly affected by that, but. What are, what are the, well, the things the that ones, are hitting? 
the ones that were doing commercial aerospace were definitely affected pretty yes. bad. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I forget and they that. were, and those that were in, in the Boeing ecosystem with the 737 grounding were already having a tough time. Yeah, uh, that's true. So that's that was, true. That was pretty tough on some of them. But, um, but, uh, so, I mean, for some it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, keeping busy, you know, diversified sales, a lot of, see a lot of shops that just have like an incredibly high, you know, like, yeah, one of our customers is 85% of our business. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's a dangerous place to be. Um, but I'd say in bigger picture, um, obviously finding employees is really hard. Like you were talking yeah. about Matt, Matt from MRS, um, turning away work because you just don't have enough capacity. Yeah. Um, cybersecurity is becoming more and more crucial especially those shops in the defense business. Yeah. There's the new CMMC standard that's coming down the pipeline hard and fast. Yep. That will require third party uh, certification for their cybersecurity maturity. Um, and then there's also a lot of, I mean, kind of in what you do, uh, there's a lot of shop owners that are getting on towards retirement and thinking about what they want to do with their business next, either passing it to their kids or selling it altogether or to their, to their employees. And, uh, and I think a lot of them, and you and I have talked about this a little before, a lot of them are going to be in for a, a rude surprise about their business isn't worth as much as they think it should be partly yeah. because of the lack of systems they've not built in their company. Well, you, you had mentioned this, uh, before the, uh, when we were talking about how a good ERP system or, and yours where yours extends past that into the QMS and, and the, the things beyond that, I mean, it provides that scalable backbone for your, for your shop floor and for your business overall. And that's one of the things that as we were kind of giggling about using spreadsheets for the travelers, you know, that's really not a scalable thing because that means mm -hmm. that, you know, if the paper gets lost or someone does, you know, it's just, there's too many variables in there for that thing to scale like it needs to. And then when you take that, it can work perfectly fine today, right? And but when a buyer looks at that, they're looking at scalability, they're looking at future value, they're looking at how this is going to look in 10 years, not is it going to get me through the next couple of years that I, you know, so I can get out. Sure. And it's a huge differential uh in A sellability and B value when you when you look at it from mm -hmm. that standpoint, having that solid infrastructure in place and it and if you don't have it it kind of limits your options to people that want to be owner operators themselves they want to take over your job as the owner yes and as you have those great systems the team that's executing it that doesn't rely on the owner then you open up to a whole different type of buyer you know that might just want to buy it for strategic reasons and uh you know know that the, the team can execute Exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the biggest things as you look in in a more technical business like a machining business. If the owner is the brain power behind the business, when that owner leaves, the value and the brain power behind the business just walked out the door. <laughs> yes. And, and it's, it's a real thing, right? It's a real thing. Oh, it's thing. totally real. I, yeah. I had, I had, uh, I talked to, uh, it was a couple of years ago now, I talked to a large uh, Midwestern machining company, their aerospace machining. They, nice size. I mean, well into eight digits and they were, they were doing, um, oh, I shouldn't say not. Yeah. They were over $20 million. Mm -hmm. I just make sure I'm doing it right there. But, yeah. uh, you know, and, 
they were really disappointed in the values they were getting from private equity buyers. There right. were four owners in the business. One was like the, the operations genius. One was the CEO. One was the supply genius. And one was the financial person. Mm -hmm. And they all expected to retire when the business was sold. Right. It's like, if that wouldn't be a, a you know, that's a risky proposition right there. When <laughs> For any buyer. The, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just can't, you just can't do it at that point. So what yeah. you're saying and allowing the, the owner to walk away from the business and the business still run fine for an extended amount of time is, is uh, very valuable to the new buyers coming in. Well, that's, that's kind of the telltale If the owner can like go on vacation for a whole month and just yes. disconnect and the business runs fine, that's a really good sign that your business will be worth more than if they start calling you the moment you walk out the door asking questions. That that definitely is, definitely is. And real quick, we got Jenny Steffenmeyer, um, excuse me here. Jenny's got a, a cool welding shop in Iowa. Uh, mm -hmm. Solar powered, good stuff. Yeah, so, I've talked to Jenny, she's yeah, awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Well, thanks for listening, Jenny, glad to see you. And you know this is this is really interesting because you you did you you you're out with pro shop now you're selling pro shop to the to the machine shops they've got these challenges they're working on what are what are some of the things that your customers talk about after they've implemented uh, your your software what really do they notice first what do they go wow uh things just get a lot less frustrating and frantic like there's just way less firefighting yeah um and that turns into more throughput and more revenue so the most common number that we hear what say call it a year after they're you know gone live and really are using a lot of the tools and features the number we hear the most is about 25 percent incre increases in throughput no additional people no additional yeah. machines yeah. And which is a crazy number, you know, it um, is and it's and it's but it's awesome and it's amazing. But um, there's so, in a traditional shop, there are. There are so many, you know, it's I, I, I think so. And I've heard many people say it's the hardest kind of business in the world to run. Right. There's so many moving parts. It's so complex. Mm -hmm. There's so technical. There's like a million ways to get it wrong and only a couple of ways to get it right. And uh and there's so there's always these obstacles that 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 cause long setup times and scrap rates and and last minute firefighting where machines are down and you're scrambling to figure out get the machine back up and running again and with better processes and a little bit not a lot more but a little bit more forethought about being more system driven it's amazing how much more velocity jobs can have and so those are i think the specific tools that we provide that that we haven't really seen many other systems out there do um, that just allow just things to start moving much more smoothly through the facility yeah um, and it, it and it impacts people on a personal level because they're less stressed they're less frustrated their businesses are now more profitable they can they can hire more people if they want they can go you know go on vacation i was just talking to a shop owner in in idaho who was getting to the point where he was feeling like it was just too stressful. He wanted to sell his shop 
Um, he, he switched over to pro shop and then a year later, he's like, Paul, this has been the best year I've had ever. And I'm going hunting all the time and I'm going golfing and I know my shop's doing well cause I can see it on my phone yeah. and everyone knows what to do. And he's like, I don't want to sell it anymore. <laughs> I yeah. Just keep running it. I love it. Yeah. So. And that's, and that, that is, I mean, what you touch on and it, it's not, necessarily to specifically talk about pro shop because pro shop's a great system we know that and it's really good and i, I don't want to negate that the thing you're touching on is they're they're in pro shop is a system that helps them run their business better and it's not like an erp system that from of old that just spits out the financial data and your inventory and things like that when you put sure. in an operating system like pro shop that helps you run the business part of it. Like you said, where you make your money, mm -hmm. uh, it gives you so much freedom because that is the part that I always see in the, in the clients that we help that when we help them get control over the operations and they understand on a daily basis that I either did what I should have, or I, or I, in some cases it's, I've done enough to make sure I'm going to be profitable on that day or that week. And I know that if I do that through the month, I'm going to, I'm going to make money like I want at the end of the month. And that's really what the, it's on the owner's mind. Sure, sure. You're giving them that peace of mind because they can see if something's going awry rather than them not knowing, because oftentimes it's not just the business owner that doesn't know it's the supervisor that doesn't know. And if the supervisor or the person doing it knows early enough, they'll take care of the problem. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It, it really is an operating system. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like upgrading, you know, to windows 10 when you used to run windows 98, right. Yeah. There's just <laughs> better features to make it faster, smoother. And, uh, it, it is remarkable the results that can, people can get when you have a good, and, and I, and I really credit quite honestly, my I've already mentioned his name a couple of times, my partner, Kelsey, and if some of the other people we had on our team, they were just such brilliant sort of minds in, in execution and thinking about it strategically and from a business process perspective, and really also from a lean perspective. We went through a pretty major uh, lean transformation pretty early in our, in our business, probably also around 2004, um, and we built all sorts of tools and methods that were very much aligned with lean principles and eliminating mm -hmm. waste and, and, uh, reducing whip and all sorts of things that, uh, that we just kind of built into the workflow of the software. Yeah. And that, that, like, like you're saying, if you did that and built it into the software, then it's part of the system and it automatically or systematically system, yeah. is part of the whole business. Then yep. that's really cool. So when you're out and about, and this is off the off the subject of of ERP for a system, mm -hmm. uh, for a sec second, excuse me. What are some of the really cool things you see in manufacturing now? Because you get to visit a lot of different manufacturers, and I, I mean, I, I like that stuff. Just seeing what's going on. Oh yeah, I mean, well, robotics, super fun, super cool. Um, you know, 3D scanners, 3D printers. I mean, everything is going digital. You know. Um, and uh the way those systems all connect and that's just super super fun um yeah so yeah. 
the the robotics i actually was talking to a friend of mine that that's still he's uh is a manager in a, in a molding operation actually one of them i used to work with and they were talking about the robotics that they're using and i forget the term he used but it's actually uh a, a robot that's doing repetitive stuff around you but it's it's like does something and hands you a part almost and if you and if it, if you it sounds like a cobot yeah, yeah, it is. It's a cobot. Exactly. That's what yeah. he said. And I'm like, that's cool as heck because it's doing the hard stuff or it's doing the repetitive stuff or something where you've got to go into a piece of equipment. In that case, they were using it to take something out and uh, never really thought about that before because the robotics of old that I was involved with was was real. You know, stay away. Just let it yeah. do its job. Get in the cage. Yeah, yeah. In the cage kind of thing and the stuff will come out to you. But it's, it's pretty cool that they're actually helping you. Um, yeah. do some of the manual processes now yeah and they're they have sensors so if you just touch it it'll just kind of freeze there and the torques aren't too crazy you know it's like strong but at the same time it can you know it's not going to break your arm if you touch it so yeah. yeah yeah we have a client just here in town that uh they they machine these parts and then the robot dispenses glue on a thread and then they thread it in lock you know locked into us to to clocking on this medical device for a knee knee replacement joint and uh you know it's just incredibly repetitive process the people that were doing it were getting carpal tunnel and it's just oh, yeah. you know it's just and and it's not taking away a job it's i mean because now the person is running the robot and they're getting more throughput and productivity and mm -hmm. uh, it's safer for the people and more enjoyable and so yeah, there's just so many benefits. It's it's really awesome. Yeah, yeah, and that's cool. That's cool. Are there any any new cutting things that are happening? That's like they're you're seeing them speed up the cutting of aluminum or or anything like this. It's like crazy coming over the top. Yeah, there's definitely been lots of pretty major advancements in just cutting tool geometry and even how that relates to tool paths lately. So instead of these more kind of like high speed shallow depth of cut milling paths that were popular for a while now it's um there's different terms for it but like dynamic milling where you're going like full depth um maybe a little less radial engagement although some of the new cutters just blow me away they're taking like full slot worth in titanium or steel or inconel and just barreling through at speeds you'd never believe in your life having really? seen it from 10 years before yeah i should show i'll share you some links with you oh you have to <laughs> but, because that's that's what i i mean i was i asked that because when we when i was still running a place that we did a lot of titanium machining for the f-22 right. i mean we would literally test cutters all the time and and you know you get a you get a i can still remember one day we had a big verdict a big horizontal machine setting up on a, a forging and we were testing some what do they call them? Corn cob cutters. And we were hogging out some spots <laughs> yeah. in there. And you know, sure. the whole, this is a big machine. It's the size of a, I don't know, the size of a big truck. And the mm -hmm. whole floor is shaking. You know, you got three feet of concrete below you and everything's vibrating because it's like, whoa, you're doing that. So when you're talking about cutting like that, that's really something yeah, in titanium. Maybe I'll, I'll, I can paste something over here right now. So there's yeah. this guy, um, uh, called Titan Gilroy, who has this business, Titans of CNC. And he 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 has a bunch of partners, including Kenna Metal. And they have oh, this yeah. cutter called the Core 5, K-O-R 5. Um, and some of the cuts they're doing with it just are literally unbelievable. So yeah, I'll yeah. try to... 
Well, and, and two, you know, it's it's not only do in those kind of situations where they're developing these new cutters, you have to convince, you know, you have to do the testing and do that. But then you got to go into these machine shops and convince the programming people that you mm-hmm. can actually program them to move that fast. Because I always want, you know, programmers are, I, I in my experience anyway, are naturally yep. conservative. So sure. they're not oh, going to yeah. want to push that in. And then, then you look at it, you know, like the forgings I was talking, we were messing around with. I think those things were like fifteen dollars or $20,000 a piece. So, you know, you really don't want to wreck one. Absolutely. And, with, and, and in that case, I think they were like, that was over a year to wait for another one. So, um you know, yeah. but this this is really something that as as that when you think about these technologies, they've been around for how long and and they continue to evolve. Oh, yeah. So much. And w- when you look at machining or manufacturing in general and you go, well, we've been doing you know, we've been making cars or we've been cutting steel or cutting titanium for a long time and you continue to see the developments. It really is exciting to be in an industry even that's been around for a long time. But there's cutting edge stuff every day. Yeah, every day. Working on. Every, every day. day it's happening. Every day it's happening. Yeah. So how do you think the the um, the industry in general is keeping up with education? Because I got to believe that that it's a challenge just to stay abreast of what's happening. Yeah. Well, you know, there's these programs like um, like the Eagle Manufacturing that I mentioned earlier. Um, and, you know, and there's community colleges and technical colleges all around the country. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and the the companies in those areas that are engaging with those programs, you know, as advisors or on the board of the mm-hmm. program to, you know, help them uh, try the latest technologies, the latest software and tools and machines and, and uh, I think that's a key component to help these technical schools stay on the cutting edge. So the yeah. students coming out of them actually have, you know, really great, great skills that are that are um, that are relevant. You know, yeah. when, when we were involved with the community college here at our school uh, or in our in our town and when we first you know, put two of our employees on the board, you know, they were learning how to, you know, hand grind high speed steel. Right. And. It's like, come on, guys, we need to like, let's, let's get into the 20th century and 21st century here. Um, yeah. And, you know, cam programming and modern tool paths and, you know, skills that the, that, that, that the machining companies really actually want to use. They, they don't need to know someone, they don't need to hire someone that knows how to, you know, grind high speed steel anymore. Right. No, That's no, not what no. they're looking for. So, no. No. so yeah, it's, and, and there's lots of great programs that are, you know, now, you know, really modern and staying right on the cutting edge. And those students are coming out with good. great, great employability skills. Good, good. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to just a apologize to everyone out there that's in the aerospace industry. Cause I realized how big of a foot in my mouth when I said it really, you know, the machining industry really wasn't affected that bad by COVID. Cause I had, you know, <laughs> the seven, three, seven being down, it was already down for a while ahead of that. And that, that did, that decimated it. So I want to ask another question, follow up to that from what you've sure. seen in the, in the aerospace industry is the 737 coming back online. Is that really started to, to propagate through the industry again and people are going or is it slow going? It's now? a slower ramp. Yeah. I okay. mean, cause they're, the rates are not nearly as yep. insane as they were before. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, customers are glad to get those, get orders again and start making deliveries, okay. you know, um, Good. Good. and uh, the ones that I think 
survived that the best were the ones that got uh, creative and, you know, and diversified and were more sales driven, you know, and it wasn't just um, aerospace, you know, for example, we have a client who was traditionally pretty dominant in oil and gas and they oh, yeah. just didn't do a lot else other than that. And yep. for a long, you know, that industry was not doing terribly well or has continued to not do super great. Yeah. Um, and this client of ours just decided partly because they, you know, they got pro shop and they all of a sudden their QMS processes were just so, so get this, their QA manager freed up about half of his time every day. Wow. So he used to work eight hours a day being yeah. a QA manager and now he works four and he has four hours a day free. So they decided that he would pursue their AS9100. So they got AS9100. We even introduced them to a few um, key contacts and, and companies that are looking for suppliers because we we get we're we're now starting to get inquiries from people saying, hey, can you give me a list of companies that use ProShop? Because we've had such good success with those companies that we want more of them on our on our supply yeah. chain. So they so now they got AS9100. They got their first job from you know from Lockheed, and they are now doing work for a space company, and it's just you know, in like six or nine months, they've totally diversified, you know, and uh, it's, it's just, it's so cool and awesome to see that. Yeah. And be a, that, and be a part of that. So, that but the key cool. there is, that, but the key there is that they're, you know, they're just being really proactive and being yeah. aggressive to diversify, be sales driven, work on their processes, make their company more attractive as a supplier get out, make those connections, make those introductions and, uh, and those opportunities will come. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it is so cool how your industry experience running the business allowed you to develop this solution that was really common sense, practical from the ground, you know, from the floor up. So you're, you're concentrating as we talked about the making money, the best way you can first and then and then moving moving beyond that and and how that's helping others now with this scalable system that they drop in and, and not drop in it's a lot of work to put in and get it going right but now once they have that in place they can utilize that to to further their business and move in different directions and there's no better you know economic driver than supporting manufacturers like that because, you know, every manufacturing job creates multiple other jobs. Yes. You know, that multiplier effect is greater than any other type of industry. And Definitely. Uh, so, yeah, it feels good to be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So what what do you see on the horizon for you? I mean, you've got your your business has been going great. And you see are you got some new new things coming.